podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Welcome back to the Blue Room. Welcome back to Kickabout. And welcome back to our esteemed co-host, Rob Vera. Rob, week-long vacation. Um, Clearly, all me and the listeners have really ascertained from this is that the Blue Room seemingly isn't important enough for you to show up every week. Um, I mean, getting into the new season... I know it's been a bit slow on the transfer front, mate, but are you going to step it up going into August? Uh, <laughs> Look at the spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think, I th- I think I'm, I'm at that point where I'm certainly uh, in it uh, at, th- at this point, kind of more plugged in because we're just a couple of weeks away from the season. But yeah, look, I, I, I guess I've been on vacation, but I've been in the car mostly, and I've been going to some very unglamorous places, uh, even if I had fun. And and I love a road trip, but I don't think I enjoyed basically three in a row as much as I thought I would. <laughs> I would. So uh, I am I'm happy to be home and happy to plug back into that old familiar familiar uh, misery that is Everton. So yeah, I will be. I don't think there'll be any weeks off for a while. Well, mate, we've got plenty of that misery coming up over the next hour, I'm sure. But we are, again, joined this week by Britain's power-washing champion, Adam Sutton. Uh, Adam, how clean is your house and surrounding deck area at the moment? Um, it's, it, well, it's spotless, to be fair. I cannot, I cannot stop. It's becoming a little bit of a recession now. Um, I seem to have basically remove the paint from every wall within my house um, thinking that it was going to clean it but it's actually so powerful that my whole interior is just now bare brick um, <laughs> which is slightly tongue-in-cheek but I've definitely considered like going one step further than just utilizing the power wash for what it's actually meant to be or I've, um, I'm trying to think of other things that have the ability to be power washed you think I'm joking here by the way I'm, I'm actually not um, <laughs> But other, so I've obviously, I've cleaned my trainers with the power wash. Um, the dog has genuinely been power washed. Um, what else I had, like the outdoor furniture, which is being power washed. Um, my kitchen table are power washed. So yeah, it's just a long list that I'm slowly ticking off. Um, but yeah, you're probably, probably lucky to have me for this next hour as I've been very busy power washing, you see, and taking a bit of time <laughs> on my schedule. Well, Mark, like this is this is like I'm not hating this bit from Adam. Like I do, I do sort of think that he's he's doing a, a branding exercise here. Or you know, Adam Power Wash Sutton. I I just think that it's been masterful. And now I think every time he's on, we're gonna have to hear a Power Wash update about something that that he wrecked. It's, it's while power washing <laughs> surely the shit is superhero ever yeah it, well oh, yeah. <laughs> i mean you know if you if you had said if you'd said how about a, a superhero um based around power washing a couple weeks ago i'd have been like that's the shittest superhero ever but i don't know adam has has i think you know brought me over to his side on kind of the the exhilaration of power washing and in fact adam I just got back from Texas where 
I was visiting my parents and my brother and I took it upon ourselves to, I won't call it power washing, but I would call it power washing adjacent. It was one of those high pressure, uh, you know, garden hose fixtures, right? That, you know, we pulled around to, you know, spray uh, some cobwebs and some junk off some high windows. And I got to tell you, Adam, that feeling in the parts of me that we don't always talk about definitely was a thing because I got that power washing sensation. And now it's sort of like that always sunny uh, episode gun fever where they get a gun to just in case they have to protect the bar and then they start shooting the gun and it, it just exhilarates them. And I think that that is kind of the power washing feeling that I'm beginning to, to feel. And I have you to thank for it, Adam. So thank you, buddy. That's it. And no, you need to thank yourself, Rob, because once you take that step in the direction of truly becoming a, a power washer, it's uh, it's one that you can never go back on. And yeah. it is that feeling of, you know, smashing a plate or yeah. punching someone in the face that you just never, you never think you're going to enjoy as much as you, you truly do. But yeah, we can honestly say now that it's Kickabout sponsored by Karcher. So we will monetize this. Um, Karcher obviously being a, a famous power washing brand. The best one, which obviously I use. I don't use any of this uh, hose pipe that you referred to, Rob. Um, it, it is obviously top notch or nothing, but you're on the, you're on the journey. So hopefully you can, you can make that step up to a true jet wash or power wash. Um, hey, Mark. Mark, if you're hearing this correctly, like, hey, Karch, if you're out there, we will take your money to have more of this. Uh, Adam did that one for free, you know, just the, just a taste right there. But uh, we are absolutely willing to be uh, sponsored when it comes to power washing. So thank, thanks, Adam, for, for that. Like, just having Adam on has already been a financial windfall, Mark. I can, I can feel the, the Usmanov money coming in any day now uh, to, to transform this uh, once modest show into a uh, top six superpower or something like that. So, we're, yeah. We're definitely at that point in this pod where mere <laughs> flippant mentions of brands mean that we get instant freebies sent in by <laughs> corporations i think some some may say that we haven't quite scaled up to that level at the moment but i mean when we're rocking around town before the game in a couple of weeks time just power washing the shit out of dale street then who, who's going to be laughing then um so yeah if if, if you are listening culture feel free to to get in touch and you know we'll we'll get the addresses sent out and we'll we'll start doing the good work around Liverpool and the world. Uh, lads, we've gone slightly off track there. Um, but what it has made me realise and the conclusion from this really weird introductory segment is that you two, as we discussed off air before recording, are slightly weirdly similar. Um, not only for your love of power washing, but also in terms of your employment as well. So in my mind, you are, you are both the guy I know where I've accepted that I'll never know what they do. Um, you, you're both quite similar by the sounds of it in terms of what you actually do day to day other than despising Everton Football Club but arrive if you're going to give us a, a, a slight insight into how we actually understand what you do with the majority of your time uh, no, I want to just start by saying no uh, <laughs> you don't I, I can assure you guys that um, some of you who may have been enamored with uh, the 
novelty of having someone who sounds like me on an Everton podcast a few years ago by now are certainly sick of me. And, and let me assure you that nothing about explaining my Chandler Bing-esque job yeah. is going to uh, add any floor. So I'm going to pass on that. Okay. But, you know, I'll just say I'll, I'll tell you what I tell strangers that, that I meet who ask that the most banal of questions. Um, I always just say I'm a software consultant and I just leave it at that. And I almost never get a second question because who wants to ask a second question to that? I, but, yeah. I would definitely. God, if I asked someone what they did for a job and they said I'm a software consultant, I would either very quickly need another drink or a piss. What one of those things would have to happen quite quickly. Uh, Okay, so you may be similar in terms of what you do in the work, but one thing I was thinking about this week is how you break the cycle of work. Um, we were having this conversation, um, well, primarily in work the other day, actually, and saying that for, for me and for most of the people we work with, getting back into the swing of normal life is taking a lot more adjustments than getting used to what COVID life ever was. Um, and I suppose I'm I, kind of a niche situation whereby my, my job never really changed. Um, it was just that I had a hell of a lot more free time outside of work. And I know a lot, a lot of people's work did change and they were working from home and, you know, not seeing people day to day was a struggle, etc. cetera. Um, but how, how have you both found, I, I guess you're both sort of like meeting with clients face to face um, outside of work. Obviously you've actually got to see people, uh, friends and family, which is all lovely, but, all very time constraining as well and I think that that's one of the things that I've probably not realized how difficult that would be has anyone found that I think from from my point of view and I was discussing this with, with my girlfriend before actually it's just I'm like absolutely knackered yeah. I know that sounds just stupid to, to say on the face of it but it just seems to be something and, and, and many people I've spoken to over the past couple of weeks and, and months really is that everyone just feels really drained yeah. and really lethargic mm -hmm. and, and there's nobody like get up and go because we're all looking so forward to this freedom almost and, and now we've got this freedom it's kind of like I don't know if I, I even fancy going yeah. out or going to the shops or enjoying this new lease of life that we're meant to have had and I found myself like struggling to sleep almost because it's just me brains in overdrive thinking about how you have to prepare to walk down the road and walk into a shop or how everything has to be so methodical now. And it's, it's kind of not this, this normal. And as you say, Mark, I think it's, it's very, it's rational to think that it is so much of a, a change. It could be seen as more of a change than it was even going into lockdown and going into this, this whole pandemic. So I think I've just been trying to take things slow um, in regards to, you know, meeting with the lads or going out for, for dinner or, you know, getting back into footy, which I think has been probably the, the biggest saviour in, in my yeah. eyes in regards to just that ability to have a social life. So, you know, meeting up with the lads, whether it was getting changed outside, getting changed in the you know, dressing room, getting changed under a canopy or whatever. And, and now we're slowly and surely getting back to just normality and, and the lads being able to to actually act like a footy team rather than you know, a group of individuals who are, who are trying to stand on a pitch for 90 minutes. But it's, yeah, I think utilising what we've maybe learned over the past 18 months is now being just more of in, in, this, in these recent times. So 
we were forced to go out for walks or we were forced to go out for runs or we were forced to be healthy and and, and exercise or you know utilize our gardens more or use our couches more and watch series and TV and I think that people are just doing a lot more of that. Mm. I've seen so many more people walking around, so many more people getting into fitness, whether it's running, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's home workouts or Zoom um, lives or whatever you want to call it that people are doing. I think like, the world's changed, so we shouldn't we shouldn't really put pressure on ourselves to actually get back to normal because there isn't going to be what life was before. I think everyone's changed. Hopefully some of it for the better because people have wanted to stay fitter and healthier over this period and, and hopefully that continues but yeah I think just back to your original point it's about taking time to to not rush into things because yeah it's been such a tough period that we're not meant to just jump straight back in it's about obviously looking after yourself and looking after your family and, and not going stupid because the last thing we want to do is is go back to where we were a couple of months ago yeah Rob Adam alluded to it a couple of times then when he was chatting about socializing and, and what socializing now looks like um the the general feeling over here in britain is that if you've got through the last 18 months and still don't have a friend who has a bar in his garden then you, you've basically failed covid um is it is it very much the same ethos over there i don't I don't know. And I don't know if it could be just because the, and, and I don't, I, I understand sometimes when I, you know, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of people who live over in the UK and I'm in America that, you know, even your very like basic um, reasonable criticisms of how this government has handled uh, the restrictions, the lockdowns, you know, all this stuff. It, it's important to know that like compared to America, you guys still had such a strict disciplined approach <laughs> in so many ways. Like American, America is not as willing to sort of accept extreme measures as a whole. Um, there's just a lot of I mean, it's hard to explain, but, you know, is America like any country, but maybe especially America is just not a monolith in terms of how people view these things, approach these things, obviously. And, and so I think that, you know, something Adam said really resonated with me, which I, you know, I almost feel like I needed to hear today. Like, and one of my favorite things when I started, um, you know, when I was talking to Matt originally about Kickabout was this idea that while we might bring our, our, you know, an idea or maybe an internal agenda item to the show, like we really make an effort for the most part, not to share with one another what we plan to talk about. It's supposed to be a fluid conversation. And so I had no idea Mark was going to bring this up, but I, I will say that, that what, you know, Adam's response to it, I think was so thoughtful um, in terms of acknowledging just how weird, and, and you did with the question too, Mark, but just how, it's not all just sort of bouncing back, is it? Like it, it's, um, you know, we we probably we have fewer restrictions here in some ways, but um, you know, everything about my life has changed again, and um, I'm still not traveling for work yet, uh, but that's going to start to increase. But I think that just the day to day of you know, everything from having the house back to myself again, because my wife is now going back to her, you know, back to an office, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And and how that even changes our dynamic that we have to kind of get used to our rhythm again. And then 
Um, you know, I have days where I have trouble sleeping, just like what Adam said. And somehow hearing someone else say that has made me feel better already because I think, you know, I'm prone to, to stress and anxiety, uh, especially. And so I have to kind of watch those things. But um, yeah, like there are days when I'm happy and I feel free again and I'm around friends and it's and it feels normal. And then there are days where I wake up and inexplicably I'm in a in a weird mood, a bad mood, just you know, not feeling any level of consistency quite yet. And I, I think it has to do somewhat with just this whole kind of um incremental bounce back thing we're doing right where we seem to take a few steps forward each week and loosening things and then you know over here especially you got a bunch of people who won't get the vaccination so that's caused flare-ups and then it's the same old discussions again about you know and so it's it's just all these things and the stress of I think in America in particular going through the most emotionally contentious you know election in our history um at the same time as COVID, at the same time as waiting on a vaccine, at the same time as being, you know, in some version of lockdown. Like, I think it's just, it's just been a lot of, um, you know, I hate to use, I hate to use the word trauma in any kind of flippant way. And that's not my intention, but I think we're all still kind of processing everything we went through. Um, the people we've lost, I don't think we even can even fathom the numbers of people who are dead from this. I, I think because it happens slowly or, you know, in like a drip, drip, drip. I think that people, I, I, I don't know that people fully grasp, you know, just how much of that there's been. So anyway, um, all that grim stuff to say that I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm, I have faith that I, every day will get a little bit better. And, I, and the word normal to Adam's point doesn't really mean much anymore because, I think we all kind of knew it was never going to be exactly the same. So I think our brains are just uh, adjusting to this uh, new reality. Yeah, I, th I think the, you both mentioned about taking a multiple number of things slowly, uh, be it socializing, getting back to work, et cetera. But probably the only thing in my life that I want to go from zero to a hundred is the match day experience. Uh, that, that That's probably the only thing I can think of where I don't want to be eased in. I don't want any half measures. I think when, when everyone looks forward to, to two weeks' time or whenever the next game may be, you want it to be exactly how you remember it. And that, that's probably, it's probably what's so special about going to watch live sports is that I imagine live music is very much like this as well for, for gig-goers in that once you take yourself back to a situation that, that couldn't in any way be manipulated by COVID. I appreciate that a lot of things were cancelled, but they're, they're very much social events that have no real half measures attached to them. And I appreciate that we've we've seen, you know, three or four thousand people going into football stadiums and, and limited numbers in gigs. But for the vast majority of us, that will probably be the eternal reminder of, of what normal looks like. Adam, are you, you agreeing with that? Yeah, I think on a on a wider scale, as you mentioned, Mark, about the like live music, I think the experience of going to like a restaurant and stuff is something that I may at first have thought that this is good to have these processes or it's good to yeah. have these rules and regulations. But I went out for dinner on Friday with my dad, and it, it just it just seemed a little bit towards the old fellas walking in and stood at the bar or yeah. 
there's a section where you just have those those made to meet up who you know the wives might not go out with the wives and might not be here anymore and and they have their just normality back to a degree and i think that experience is is something i'm looking forward to i'm going out for dinner this friday with my girlfriend her cousin and her fella and there's live music on and there's no restraints on where you can stand to watch that or where you can you don't feel yourself oh, i can't stand up and and enjoy this or i can't stand at the bar and I think that's the the zero to hundred feeling is just atmosphere. I think atmosphere has been massively lost in these in these past couple of years. There's there's nothing better than you know the hairs on your the back of your neck standing up, whether that's at Goodison Park, whether that's at the O2, or whether that's down the local nightclub where people find their enjoyment at different stages. And and I think atmosphere is is one of the the biggest factors in in this feeling that we have maybe now of that lethargy and that ability to not get yourself up for it because no one else is able to get up for it. You can't get up for something when you sat down at a table. You can't get up for something when you've got a mask on. It, it, there's yeah. a difference between yeah. this and, and that's where the likes of Goodison with with a full capacity absolutely bouncing. People might just go, this is what we needed. We needed someone to shout an absolutely terrible shout from the park end or we needed someone to sing absolutely terribly at a music gig because that's what makes it it makes it when people are, are there for, for themselves but they're there to enjoy what's going on and i think that's a huge part of it the atmosphere we've missed and, and something that we we are so so excited to get back yeah i know it's been said before um on this show and and i'm sure off it between all your friends as well but ordering a pint at the bar is one of mankind's tribal joys isn't it i mean i don't know why but it the, the whole thing i i it all feels a little bit weird still, but the pint definitely tastes about 450% better if you've actually gone, slapped your money down on the bar and ordered it over there. And I'll, I'll never, never ever quite get why that is the case. But yeah, started on a started on a, a pretty serious note. And do you know what? That, that's what that's what Kickabout is here for. It's to address all of life's most important questions. So, with that in mind, Adam. <laughs> Do you wash your legs purposely in the shower? Do you purposely lather your legs up? Or is gravity just there to help you? Um, do you know what? This is something that I have like started to, to do very recently, actually. And it's... Because uh, you look like a leg washer. I'm not going to lie. I've become a leg washer. It's only because I've got this thing called a jet wash. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> You left, Basically, uh, you left, Mark, you left like just an inch of space at the post and he somehow yeah. squeezed it in. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really something to behold. <laughs> because I've been back playing footy, my girlfriend's been complaining about my feet again because I play footy four or five times a week. You're wearing the same boots for most of that. Um, and so it's obviously not the nicest though that when I'm, I'm you know, walking around the house and we sliders or whatever. So I've started to, to conscientiously make a, an effort to, to give myself a proper going over from, from the waist down. And so the legs are obviously part of that. I mean, I'm definitely going to clip that, by the way. <laughs> Do you know what? We, we, we've somehow gone from very serious to fucking out of hand. Um, but that, yeah, so I'm now a leg washer. Um, not, not a jet leg washer, but just to yeah, get a bit of a scrub on because... Yeah, it's short season, isn't it? So you can't be walking around with dirty knees or a bit of um, scran on the back of your car. So you've got to make sure that you're getting in the shower and giving yourself a proper, a proper uh, good scene to. 
Rob, you strike me as a businessman who knows that time is precious. You, you can't be lavering your shins up, mate. <laughs> I'm so concerned right now about the general hygiene standard or bar over there, right? Like at this moment that I'm even being asked this question, like it literally never occurred to me in my life that I wouldn't, I mean, maybe when I was a kid, you don't clean behind your ears well enough or whatever, but like I'm talking from basic, uh, uh, let's just say teenage years on, I clean every part of myself every day. And I will also add to that, that um, if you if you have the means, uh, and I don't think this is like a, a super, you know, this is not a yacht thing or anything like that, but like if you have a hand sprayer inside your shower, that's that is there for a reason that is there to reach all of the hard to reach places and you should be cleaning and yes your legs not only do i clean my legs every day mark um for my dad's 80th birthday i took him to breakfast i took him to get a haircut and a beard trim but we capped it off with a true american traditional father-son activity which was getting manicures and pedicures together oh nice and let me tell you <laughs> My feet are clean. My my nails look uh, stunning for you know a man who only tries a little bit, right? And and man, I'm telling you, um, yes, that, that that's keep your feet clean, keep all your places clean. But my God, yes, it is short season. But also, even if it's not short season, clean your legs, you filthy animals. <laughs> I think I might be horrible. But yeah, do you know what? Mark, but, you're like the you're like the best smelling dude over there that I've met. So I don't I I, I expected that you would be at a level of clean that was just uh, you know exceptional. I, I I have not got time for that. Could you pet bothering <laughs> your shins? It, do you know what? If you're listening to this and you purpose lather and wash your shins, you need more hobbies, friends. You need to focus more in work. Just more things need to happen because, I mean, gravity's there for a reason, Rob. And that reason is wash your hair and the rest will take care of itself. Gross. Even quickly on. Adam, you play footy five times a week, so you're going to need some clobber to do it. And one thing that has caught my eye this week is some scintillating training gear from Everton. Um, again, Everton directors, if you are listening, freebies are welcome here on the Blue Room. Um, but yeah, some of the gear that's come out has been has been pretty decent this week. And rather frustratingly, that blue t-shirt that should obviously be our kit for the rest of time has come out. Um, not not only because you're wearing black now, but I've I've got you down as a, a leg washing blackout t-shirt kind of guy that 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 had you all over it when I saw it. But impressive gear from Hummel again, as we were saying on the show last week. Yeah, I think it's uh I think they've absolutely smashed it this season. And, and to be fair, I'm not, I'm not a, an Everton merchandise buyer, to be fair. I very rarely will buy a kit or trading gear. or I see it and I think it looks brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I wouldn't wear it at the gym because I prefer to know, actual gym clothes. So I'll buy like sports gear from to know, Task of Sports or online or whatever or go to Sports Direct or whatever. And then for footy, you have a training kit and a warm-up kit. So it's I kind of get stuck in between wanting to buy it, but never actually being able to wear it. And if I was to wear it, it'd be around the house. And then that needs to be a total different wardrobe. 
um, like very comfy and obviously the zip pockets are a show and kind of wear it, I don't know, when I'm just lounging around the gaff type of thing. And, and they have they have done very well this year, Hummel. And, and if I add a kid, I think that's when I'll maybe dip back into that market. Yeah. When I have a kid, I'm going to have them head to toe in, in all the uh, in all the Everton gear because I think it looks boss when, when the kids are, are playing out in the streets or you see them walking down Goodison Road and all the Everton stuff. And yeah, I've got a little niece, but she's split down the middle. She's a dad's a red and her mum's a blue. So I can't exactly uh, start arguments within the household. So yeah, it's it looks fantastic. I think pre-season, especially out in the heat of Orlando, it's looked top-notch. Um, and I think there's some players that definitely rock it better than others. But I'm excited to see those three kits in action. Um, in the actual season and see it in the flesh because I think they've got a they've got a fantastic design team Hummel and I think a lot of a lot of Evertonians are a little bit sceptical before they, they made the jump because it's always you know Nike this Adidas that but I think some that are a little bit outside the box can, can look boss and I think Hummel are definitely one of those. Rob, if Yeri Mina wasn't leaving, which one of the kits would you get his name on the back of? <laughs> Oh, you're such a fucking prick. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> I mean, he might leave. I know. Like, I swear, I'm, I am. I am bracing myself for every outcome while we search for money to spend on anything. But um, you know, that third kit. I, I mean, I mean, that is sharp, dude. Like, and that's the thing is they uh, the these kits that Hummel have done. Um, I I like that they take a little bit of a risk, if you will. I don't even know if that's the right way to say. It. I mean, they 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 think a little bit beyond just the tired tropes, if you will. And I think that while also finding ways to incorporate classic flourishes in a way that makes it just it, it just makes them interesting. I am much like Adam. Like I'm not like a like I feel like Les has every shirt that's probably I, I I suspect his knowledge of of every Everton shirt is either because of his memory or because he owns every single one of them. Like I'm not like that, but having said that, I still think I've got like ten of them, so I can't really say that I have some light number of them. But these are the best. I mean, I just think in terms of the color and the design, they're really cool. I can't speak to um, the quality of the shirt. Yeah, I didn't buy one last season. I'm planning to buy that third one this season, but I want to kind of wait it out because the international shipping is absolutely criminal. So I'm I'm trying to 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 wait it out. But no, I I, I love that third shirt. I the second shirt I like I like the black watch, but but man, the all I can think about right now when I see it is five nil city. You know, I mean yeah. I can't I can't it was such a shit show at the end of the season and it was Carlos last game which now it's just everything it was all all these things probably Hamas's last game I mean well yeah you know I don't know so anyway oh uh, yeah third third shirt absolutely we'll only see you know they're only gonna wear it like twice this season but I, I'm excited to see it you've said it now mate so are, are we gonna see Hamas in it again <laughs> I I want to think so. I think that these clubs that do fit his narrow specifications and um, can afford him within reason are 
you know, it's a, it's a depressed market and, and you, you're seeing exactly what we all kind of speculated we would, which is the super rich clubs who know they're going to have giant revenue boosts next season. They're going to, they're going to spend uh, on the top level players, but I think the market's going to be kind of meh the rest of the way. I think Hamas, I think these clubs are waiting out Hamas's wage demands more than anything else. Cause I think Everton would move them off the wage bill for yeah. practically nothing. Um, I, I, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, I certainly feel for the fans who didn't get to see him in person. Um, and I, I'd rather have him around, but you know, if he and he and if it's going to be a thing with him and the manager and, and the manager just doesn't really want to play him or feel like he has room right now for that type of play. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, we're so through the looking glass at this point. I mean, we don't even talk about the fact that Rafa Benitez is the manager of Everton anymore. Maybe we'll talk about it more as the season goes on, but like, that's still a thing. But, but having said all of that, um, I think the shock of that is worn off. I think there's a lot of positive signs there. Um, and there seems to at least be people or players in the squad buying in a little bit, or at least acting the part right now. Um, but there does seem to be a fresh energy there. Uh, and so what you want is for there to, you know, be a harmonious, uh, environment that can persist. And if Hamas being there or Moise King being there is going to take away from that probably outweighs what they're going to offer on the pitch anyway. So I, I think you've got to find ways to rectify it, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm just, I think Everton are somehow stuck. They don't, they either don't have money or they have money and they can't spend it. Those are both equal problems. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what else to say. It'd be nice if Thomas could go and we could get something for him, but I, I'm still just holding out for a right back. And, and I'm, I, I've even stopped ch- checking the news most of the time because it just seems like nothing's happened in weeks. So I'm not really anticipating any, anything, anything that'll happen until closer to the end of the window. Yeah, Adam, I think most of us will put ourselves in that sort of mixed emotions bracket. And we all know the, the undoubted quality that he has. But I think even we're probably at that stage now with Hammers, whereby what's what's the best case scenario? We, we retain him this year. We have an okay season. I don't know, finish 7th or 8th. And come next summer, we're in exactly the same situation where he's a bit fed up. He's got people like AC Milan and Napoli and Porto and whoever it may be, banging on the door again. And we lose that player next season. We've obviously missed out on Dwight McNeil because we didn't have the money this summer. And probably mentally I'm thinking, do I want Hamez for one season or do I want Dwight McNeil for the next five or six? And I think if that was the straight-up decision we had to make, we'd probably lean towards the latter at the moment. Yeah, most definitely. I think it, it's getting to a point with, with Hamas Rodriguez. And I think it's it's probably comforting in a way to know that no matter where he goes, he will be in the same situation as he's at Everton. He is very much Hamas Rodriguez, the brand or the luxury yeah. or the one or two absolute whoppers a season. And I understand and I get where people are coming from in regards to he is just quality he is a touch of class. He brings something to the pitch that we haven't seen at Everton for a long, long time. However, we cannot build a team on players like that. We cannot build a team on a player who affects a game 
in, in very little patches. And when he does affect it, it's obviously very affected and it usually results in an assist or a goal or a fantastic bit of play. However, and I'm leaning towards the, if it is, we don't know how much or what of Rafa Benitez's relationship or thoughts on James Rodriguez, but I'm leaning towards, I couldn't care less about any of them mm. who were there and have been for the past couple of seasons. I know James may be a slight exception to the rule, but in regards to what's next for Everton, I, I don't care. Just knock it all down and rebuild it because that is what we need. And whether James Rodriguez falls victim to that, Moise Keane is never becoming the player that we thought he would, then so be it. Because I think we've 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 been that side that has has brought players in and not nurtured them properly for, for too long. So if they have been tarnished with that brush, then maybe it's just time to, to make a little bit of money on them and move on. And, and I think the likes of Damari Gray coming in has shown that, that you don't have to be stupid. You don't have to be a side that accommodates for the big names or for the big signings or the big money. It's all about making sure that you're bringing someone in who's going to add to the quality, but he's also not going to break the bank and he's not going to be earning stupid money and either fuck us off in a year or never leave and cost us an absolute fortune. So, yeah, I'm signing towards Dwight McNeil for the next four or five years, but I'm also signing to give us maybe one game or two games at Goodison and then he can go before the window shuts. Yep. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, Ad. Um, and, you know, James is going to be one of a number of personal sagas. You get the feeling at this stage in, in August with new season on the horizon. I think I miss those halcyon days where the transfer window was was done before we actually kicked the ball and we didn't actually have to worry about it anymore. But, hey, we all miss the drama. Um, Rob, not going to go too in-depth on individual positions because obviously we've done that to death and, and still haven't solved those problems and you know what we, we all hope that we'll have chat time to, to chat about how Everton do resolve those problems in the next few weeks but on a more general point um, you mentioned it about the top six earlier on in that we've seen in particular in the last 48 hours uh, we're probably going to see moves for Harry Kane and increasingly likely that Romelu Lukaku is going to be back in the Premier League with Chelsea Obviously, Jack Grealish has had this this much muted transfer move from from Aston Villa to Man City, which is pretty much on the brink as we speak now. Um, Rob, you you kind of spoke about this on Twitter today, and it caught my eye. Um, and I, I'm sure you'll talk about the the level of competition and the total imbalance of it all. But the line that you used in one of your tweets was the novelty of following a league where only four out of twenty clubs have a chance wears thinner with each season. And you know, objectively, that's always been true. But right at this present moment in time, it feels as though progression and relevant success has never been further away for teams of Everton's ilk. Um, it, does, this, does the transfer business that has happened and probably will happen in the remainder of this week, is the overriding emotion just pure frustration for you? Huh. Um, it, it feels almost more like resignation yeah. than, than anything. And I, um, you know, it, and it's weird because I think to your point, like you can call me a downer, but to your exact point, Mark, like it's always been, it's always been this way to a degree. I think it's just that before I think that while, 
they, you know, the, the bigger, the, the richest clubs in the league had an advantage um, and a pretty sizable advantage. It still felt like if you, and, and you see this kind of narrative recycled on, on Twitter all the time when it comes to clubs like Everton or Leicester, or, you know, when Southampton was being lauded for, you know, it's, ways of 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 running a club and all this other stuff but there's this this narrative out there that well the the way that clubs with lesser money um make up the gap on these clubs with these huge financial advantages is they just have to get their recruitment right get the manager right uh you know develop players who turn into happen to turn into superstars. The wind needs to be blowing at less than 20 degrees, <laughs> 20 miles per hour at all times. And if the temperature is right on this specific Saturday, then you can finish top four. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, we, and I think to a degree that that might've been true. And, and you saw, Oh, you, you saw a reality over the last few years where occasionally, especially as Arsenal has fallen off the, the table as, as a regular in the top four, that you started to see other clubs starting to touch that group. But this offseason and the debacle with the Super League, which is clearly going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen at some point. And so I think the issue is that this particular window post COVID when a lot of clubs are struggling to even survive, you're seeing a group of clubs who, as it's been pointed out on Twitter, were crying um, poverty on some level and saying that for the financial sustainability of the future of the entire sport, they needed to be in the super league. They're just tossing out hundred million pound bids. Like it's no big deal. And I don't care if you do everything right as a club. Everton certainly can do a lot more right as a club in terms of how they run the football side of things. But it doesn't matter when you are competing with clubs with that sizable an advantage. It's because the size of that advantage has gotten, it feels like it's doubled or tripled in the last few years. And so I, I, you know, Hey, I I want us to do all the right things, but let's be realistic. That's not competition. And it's, it it, it ceased being competition. And we really are like for the American listeners, if you ever grew up watching the Harlem Globetrotters, which was almost like this pro wrestling style team that could do all these amazing things with a basketball and they would, you know, go from town to town and entertain people and they win every game and they usually play against this team that they always uh, beat. But it's like, it's like, it's like Everton and a bunch of these other clubs are viewed now and the financial structure and these player sales sort of represent it that that we really are just fodder for competition that's limited to four contestants who actually can win. And, and that, that it's, it's a bummer. Like I I'm almost at the point where I, I would almost rather see some of these clubs finally break off and leave so that, that we can actually have a, you know, somewhat of a competition, but, but these financial inequities have gone from being uh, a, a very poor imbalance to an outright 
criminal advantage to the point that the assertion that this is a league where anyone can win in any given match day or that anything could happen. I mean, it's gone from being something you laughed at to something that you you absolutely feel is rigged. And it's it's just it's 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 not what I find to be compelling sometimes, even though I love Everton, so I'm always going to watch. But but my level of engagement with the rest of the sport or, or my ability to to stay interested is yeah it's 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 a challenge it certainly is a challenge. I think it's fair, Adam, that as Evertonians now talking about this issue, we're we're not naive enough to pretend that we haven't splattered money all over the walls for the last few seasons. I think we we all accept our our role in this kind of financial powerhouse that we have tried to make ourselves. Let's be honest, we've, we've tried to be one of those teams that, that throws money at every problem and breaks away. Um, clearly, the disparity between even clubs like ourselves and a Chelsea or a Man City, who we still see have no real financial restraint placed upon them, is massive and, and always will be until we basically start winning things. But... It's this, this kind of eternal drive for clubs like Man City to complete football, which they, they, they probably will do if they sign Jack Grealish and Harry Kane. Um, but I think that probably the most frustrating element about it for me is I, I wouldn't even dare ask either of you two what we can do about this, what can be done to change this, because the acceptance that nothing will be done to change it probably overrides all of that. Um, Rob, could, Rob could sit there and tell us, countless measures that are in place in a number of US sports to try and combat this. We're never going to see that in the Premier League because the powerful people at the top of it are so content with the current structure and so content with how their clubs perform within that that there'll never be real motivation for change. And I think that, that that's probably what irks me most other than teams going out and spending God knows whatever money on, on high-end players. And I, I again reiterate that, do you know what, if, it, if this was Everton, I probably wouldn't feel like this. Um, but the fact that we are, well, do you know what, we're not the nearly boys now. We're not, we're not the pretenders because we, we probably were four or five years ago when that carrot was dangled and we all thought that we had a chance at consistent competition. But despite the amount of monies that, that, that we've spent and, and obviously we've made mistakes in doing that but that the retention of kind of the glory days that we kind of seek to to relive have, have never really seemed further away mate would you agree yeah definitely and I think I'll probably like look at this from an angle of those who have maybe thought and lived through this well before our realisation of what this whole football stratosphere has become almost. And I, don't get me wrong, don't play in any form of capacity, in front of any form of capacity crowd on a, on a Saturday afternoon for your local side, or I've got mates who are playing at a decent level of, of don't know, conference or just below. And, and I speak to fans who come down to watch those games and speak to people who come to watch us on a Saturday. And, and they've, They've said this is this is the case and has been the case for years and years, and that's not just from a, a football club being able to totally outbuy and outspend and, and totally smash apart the, the competition from a buying players and winning leagues point of view, but that's this this whole organisation of 
well, we're going to price you out of everything. There's, there's lads who go and watch lower league teams, who go and watch amateur football, who go and watch you know Sunday league football over going to these massive franchises and football grounds because they can't afford to do that. They can't afford to be invested in, in Everton like we are. And they want to go and watch football. They want to go and be part of this atmosphere and go and enjoy the game. But they can't because this is just a business now. And the football clubs who are spending the most money who have got the best players, are able to charge the premium prices, £100, £150 for tickets. And if it's not £150, then you've got two or 300,000 people trying to grab up those that are, what, 20,000 in capacity. And, and therefore, this whole structure of grassroots football, from a playing point of view and from a, an enjoyment point of view, is why that's becoming more and more apparent now. And I'm seeing the likes of Sunday League teams and, and Saturday teams and semi-pro teams that are bringing in five, 6,000 crowds because it's affordable it's real and it's relatable and this is what people want people want to go and watch a game of football and a group of players and a, and a club that is relatable and football isn't relatable anymore football is the Harlem Globetrotters and it's bullshit really because they don't actually exist that doesn't exist in real life people can't just walk down to a football ground sit in the seat watch the game and go I can do that like it's bullshit now you, you can't you're robots now you're on four, five hundred grand a week now, and that's the the whole point of this this enjoyment that we have for football that that we are realising now, and I'm sure we've realised in, in years gone by. But there's people who have never who haven't stepped foot in a football ground in the past 10, 15 years, and they are massive football fans. And I think that's a huge, huge issue. That it's not just clubs that are being priced out of the ability to, to fans being priced out of the ability to enjoy themselves. And it truly is just becoming a matter of a number of people at the top of this, this chart who are just greedy. And it's the TV companies that don't help, the likes of Sky, the likes of BT. It's yeah. the, the clubs, the, the chairman, the, the, the managers. It's people who are just who are turning this into a business. And don't get me wrong, I understand the business side of things. But at the same time, the enjoyment of football is very quickly getting sucked out and it's, it's quite sad to see because, yeah, you might be a City fan then, you're going to win the lot and you're going to complete football. But what happens when it's not fun anymore? Like, we've all played football, we've all played sport, we've all done something and you batter a teammate 9-0. It's not fun. That's not why you play. You don't want to go and walk over everyone every single week. The whole point of it is competition. And once the competition starts to be narrowed down to four, it'll very quickly be narrowed down to two, and very quickly be narrowed down to one. And we turn into... The Scottish Premier League, or we turn into a division where it's not competition anymore. It's not competition anymore. It's just the battle of the purses and the battle of the wallets, and, and it's unfortunately going that way a lot quicker than I think we all would have thought. Rob, are, are Everton any different here? Because I think we we like to all, all of that kind of amateur spirit that Adams kind of hinted towards there, and everything that is emotive and pure about sports. I think we, we kind of look at Everton compared to other Premier League teams and say that we, we are kind of better at doing those things, both as a club and I think as a fan base, we, we kind of we, we feel like that as well. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm, I'm not overly sure. But in terms of having that pure sporting spirit and kind of being able to set ourselves aside from all of the, the financial elements of the game, are we different from other Premier League teams or are we just part of this kind of capitalist matrix of football without actually really knowing about it? Yeah, I sort of reject the notion that any 
you know, you can call them clubs if you want, but they're, and then, you know, they're clubs per se, but these are franchises. These are there so that the owners of said entities can make money. Um, So none of them are purely virtuous, but what you hope is that amongst that group, um, you are connected to a club um, and that, that is a overall, despite those flaws, still a relative net positive or at least a net neutral. You know, you don't want it to be a club that is just frankly, um, you know, a blood sucker on, on the game. I mean, it, we, we like I, I, the, the fun, part of my criticism sometimes of the entire financial scheme from everything Adam talked about in regards to ticketing, which by the way, even, even in leagues over here that are run better than the premier league, which are all of them. Um, we still certainly have problems with affordability of tickets, depending on where you are. Um, and, you know, those are things that over here, like live sports can oftentimes feel like a real luxury, which is not what it's supposed to be over there, especially. But I think that Everton clearly want to make the sort of money that some of the bigger clubs make eventually and be that high profile again and all these things. But um, you just hope that they will also use some of their power for good. And hey, Everton do that. I mean, I think that Everton have a lot of problems on the footballing side of things, but um, I think it's undeniable that Everton as a club um, is a force, a, overall a force for good in humanity, which is a really strange thing to say about a club that we find ways to pair with uh, creative profanity all the time. Um, but uh, at the same time, I do believe that Everton are a force for good. Look out for people in the community. Try to, um, you, you know, they try to utilize their power and financial resources to help people day to day. Those are all true things. And, um, but yeah, like I think that Everton are probably to more directly even answer your question. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they have a lot of those traits uh, where they have to kind of seek certain financial um you know, objectives based on this lack of structure and lack of rules uh, that probably aren't ideal um, and and certainly aren't ideal. Um, But they're playing a game in a structure that they are trying to uh, accelerate their own progress in. And it's such an ugly, dirty structure at times that we're going to probably be ugly and dirty. And look, you've seen some of the buys that we've made over the years, the money that's been wasted, even though, I think sometimes when people talk about the money Everton have wasted, I think it's important to note as well that like the difference between us and these mega clubs and we spend money, we pay for it. They don't, they spend money and it doesn't work out. It's a write off for them. They just keep spending it. It's not ever going to be a problem for them. I think when Everton trying to be ambitious, they, you know, may have a batting average that could be similar to other clubs. It's just that when you're, uh, you know, not actually mega rich and you, um, you know, you have players that don't make it and you don't have the depth to make up for it and you don't have the money to paper over those cracks. I mean, you look like you've just wasted all this money. And the reality is, is that Everton have a better collection of talent now than they've had, than they had 
you know, when Mashiri came to the club. But the results haven't been there. The forward momentum in terms of taking those next steps regarding trophies or league placement, that hasn't happened. And so, you know, you're in the worst possible place, which is being right in the middle. You've got good – I've said this several times, but you have your best players looking for a way out potentially, you know, at least very soon. And your, you know, some of your worst players being expensive and it all comes out to you being in the middle. Um, you know, Everton have to, so Everton are trying to get out of that middle and it may be a season of paying for it that, you know, this time around, I don't know, but while they are in the middle and trying to get out, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're part of the problem that, that, that this entire sport and that this entire structure continues to foster. And, and the inequality, as Adam said, is going to go from four to two to, to ultimately one if, if people don't begin to ask tougher questions about why it has to be this way. Because the answer of, well, that's just how it's always been, is literally the worst answer to a question like that that's ever been posited. So, um, you know, I, until people really start to have a problem with the way this league is structured and the way that, um, you know, the status quo is maintained. Um, and it's just going to kind of always be this way, but I, I do, I, I just want Everton to be something that's enjoyable again, but I think that the league can't sustain this level of inequality forever. That's just at least my opinion. Yeah. I think that that's really well put me. Um, John, ask me again in 10 days time when, Everton have made 90 million off selling their Colombian duo and, and gone out and spent it wildly, then I'll, I, I might reflect. If on we it. can get 90 million for both of them, I will gladly, I will, I will gladly uh, bid uh, adieu to Yeri and, and, you know, wish him well, but yeah, no. Hey, and by the, by the way, and this is the last thing I'll add to this whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, everything that, that all my feelings right now about the transfer window, the lack of activity, I, I'm just, I, I'm 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 in kind of a low place in terms of thinking we'll actually do anything, but I but I also caveat that with there are still a few weeks to go, and if and if we get these signings in later than we'd like, but we got the deals for them, we had to get for them, then then I'll certainly change my tune. But you know we're we're I think that the the way in which we're seeing this inequality of like these hundred million pound bids hurts more in an off season where we are spending so little. Uh, I think that's what makes this a more, you know, pertinent issue because all issues are local to some degree. Um, but but it was an issue whether we, you know, we could buy Dwight McNeil, we could buy Denzel Dumfries, guys. Um, and it's still obscene that these clubs are spending hundred million pound for a single player um like it's nothing i mean that's that's the and that's on top of you know what the you know, i mean 200 million for two players is the minimum that uh city are going to spend i mean just think about that for a minute yeah. you could buy you could you know a few years ago you could buy everton for that amount <laughs> you know like think of like i'm just being serious like these amounts are obscene and um, I, I get that inflation is a thing and whatever, but it's not even about the specific amounts as, as it is about the particulars of the advantage that it represents. Uh, it's just so, so out of whack. And there endeth the uh, stump speech on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Joey, I get the impression, Rob, that it's occasionally hard for you to talk about football like that because not, none of us want to feel like this. Uh, it, it, for all of the reasons that Adam said earlier on, 
sport is not here to talk about these sorts of issues. But when when you have got Man City signing a fifth winger for for those sorts of amounts, and you know Harry Kane and Lukaku's fees are going to be eye watering at best. Um, it, it's it's hard to really keep a leash on why we're all actually going to Goodison Park to watch football and to invest in our football clubs. And you're both right in that Everton are very good at levelling us in that sense, both from a community outreach point of view and also just being generally terrible at the sport. Um, so it, it, it's able to to keep your feet on the ground from that side of things. But the good news, Rob, to, to segue wonderfully, is that once you are done with football, the Olympics is on. Um, so we've got loads of other sports that you could try. Um, so I sent you guys a picture of all of the summer Olympic sports events earlier today. And my question to you, which I have shamelessly robbed off Twitter, is that if you had four years starting now to religiously train for an Olympic sport to the point where you thought you were capable of winning a bronze medal, which one would you pick? Adam, hit me. So anyone that knows me as a footballer will know that, um, <laughs> and I get a lot of, I've been most critical of this, is I seem to have a, a, a knack of winning penalties or free kicks or fouls in any capacity. You're a shit house. By going down easily. Um, <laughs> I think, I've said this many times, I think this is part of football now. I think this is a skill. Covering me own arse by saying it. I think that there is play, are players in the Premier League, Jack Grealish being one of them, who are very good at being fouled, but not necessarily being you know, the, the pressure being enough for them to fall over, to go down, leaving a leg in, all that lark is part of football now. So I think when I, when I first looked at the, the image he sent over, Moses, I thought, would it be football? But no, because give me 40 years from zero and I don't think there's much of a chance of anyone becoming a footballer. Um, would it be, I don't know, some form of running or triathlon I had a look at or rowing which I, I did have a, a little dabble into when I first went to university but I'd go for diving because I think it, it is a hybrid of what I'm currently good at in regards to, to what people Jeez. call diving or simulation or cheating whatever you want to call it um, and I, I think like when you go on holiday and you find like a big massive rock that you can jump off it's boss in it so <laughs> what I'll go for is is diving because um, I fancy myself as someone who, who wouldn't be scared of the heights I'd, I'd love to jump off and do 35 somersaults and then make as little of a splash as possible um, and obviously utilise my already cemented skills of, of going down and winning a penalty and someone calling me a diving bastard <laughs> So Rob my only question to you is artistic swimming or rhythmic gymnastics <laughs> I mean, of the two, clearly rhythmic gymnastics. I think I, I don't know. I think I could pull it off. Uh, no, um, look, I, I find that sometimes um, when, when you start to peel the layers back and think about what the definition of sport is or a sport is, yeah. um, I, I think sometimes you can begin to divide them up into these particular categories, like especially those sports that 
are sports, but they are more skill than they are about, you know, your athletic ability per se. Right. Like, so for me, that that's right up my alley because uh, I really hate running. I mean, I do enjoy, uh, I do enjoy playing basketball oddly. Um, and I love like shooting a basketball is the most cathartic type of workout that makes me sweat that I can, that I, I can do. But again, you're asking me, what could I spend four years doing and actually win something with? Yeah, yeah. And so look, certain sports, especially you either have, yes, you can work out all you want, but you also have to have actual, you know, ability. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that this sport that I chose is something that doesn't require ability clearly it does, but I would take my chances on this because it's something that I think with religious practice, as you said, it's a skill that you could maybe hone and that would be archery. Yeah. I think archery would be mine because a, you know, if I get the bronze medal, uh, I mean, I'm going to be some kind of minor celebrity at that point. Right. Uh, and B, um, I'm basically on my way to becoming an Avenger or something. If I can shoot a bow and arrow, I mean, badass, dude, like who's going to fuck with me. I like, don't come into this house. I am a bronze medal winning archer. <laughs> so I will take your head off. Like that's, that's way better than a gun because you know, I, I just think you look even more badass with a bow and arrow, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a romantic. I'm old school. <laughs> so. Dylan, yeah, I get what you're saying there in terms of skills as opposed to sports. I'm, I'm just looking back through this list now, which I'll post a, a photo of when we, when we put this show out, but Three on three basketball being an Olympic sport that that had, that had totally gone over my head. I have absolutely no idea. Um, I must admit, I was in the same ballpark as you, Rob. Archery, um, shooting, and I, I get that I'm offending everyone associated with all of these things, but yeah, they they are the, the those ones. shooters are amazing too. By the way, like yeah, I think they have different. Do they still have? I think they may have different types of guns for different events. Like I, I feel like there's one that involves a handgun maybe, or, but they shoot all these targets really quickly. And then the winter Olympics, which has the most badass one, which is biathlon, right? Like shooting and skiing. Yeah. Like they, they look like they're training to be bond villain henchmen and it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, it would be archery for me. Uh, certainly not biathlon. Cause I, I don't, I don't I ski. I just don't have it in me to ski cross country. Biathlon is definitely <laughs> sort of sport meets Saturday night reality TV. Isn't it? I mean, the, there is an element of game show about the Winter Olympics, which makes it just yeah. captivating. Um, yeah. I, I spent the rest of my afternoon today just looking through these sports, thinking of Blue Room contestants and, and who who would be good at which sport. I'm not going to lie, lads. The only one that I could actually settle on is that Paddy Boyland would be great at fencing. And if you can, <laughs> if you can disagree with that, then you know, raise me another Blue Room member. But he was born to fence. Is there is there not some sort of Olympic like strong cup of tea drinking event that Patty would would actually be you know a gold medalist at? So it, you, fencing, I can see. It's just it's very it's there's something very Patty Boylan about it, and I can't put my finger on it. But you're absolutely right. Hey, Patty Boylan is so badminton, you know, like he seriously is. He's oh, just, yeah. you can just tell that he, he turns up at his local racket center and he has that like zip pouch that like you take your badminton rack out of, which 
You don't need, by the way, like tennis goes, this goes with tennis players as well. Just take your racket, man. If you drop it and it gets damaged, then you're an idiot, really. You don't need that. <laughs> it's literally the shape of the racket as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Paddy is so badminton. And he is fencing as well, to be fair. But I think I've got a feeling Les Roberts is a, t- a terrific table tennis player when he goes on holiday with the boys. Ooh. I think. He would you wear a headband. You know, you know, Les would, Leslie would wear oh, rock that headband. Yeah. And I mean, the look of determination it. on his face when he has that tiny paddle. I mean, yeah. that would be incredible. If you've never been on holiday and you have, you know, kids or you're gone all day with your dad, you turn into a table tennis enthusiast for those two weeks. And, that, and I think Les is like, whilst he's searching for local holiday destinations and hotels, one of the, the top of the list has to be does it have a ten, table tennis table so I can see Les being very and I, and I actually challenge him at that because I, I, I do fancy myself as a bit of a table tennis player as well so that could be a thing yeah I'm pretty sure that there's a place in town where we could all book and <laughs> have a huge table tennis tournament not badminton though unfortunately it's, it's we remember but, we, we, I feel like Matt could do long distance running or something like, like that, maybe. Any, um, anything that requires a headband to, to look yeah. good doing it. Like handball, he'd be great at handball because he'd he just look like... Oh, that. handball. I keep forgetting about handball. Handball looks fun. Handball is like, it, it's weird how it has sort of the, a lot of similarities to hockey or polo or water polo without the water. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a little bit of basketball too. Cause you're like fast breaking against the other team. It's insane. But yeah. um, no, I will say, and I can't remember. Well, I don't expect Mark to understand this reference, Adam, if you've ever seen a Wes Anderson movie, do you know who Wes Anderson is Adam? If I asked you who that was, you don't know either. God, the- I, am, I am with the most pop culture retarded <laughs> men in the world. Um, but like Patty would absolutely be playing. And trust me, this is for everyone else because you don't have to get it. But Patty would absolutely be doing a Wes Anderson adjacent sport like fencing or badminton. There's no question. Uh, table tennis, perhaps, but I don't know that. I don't really think. I think to your point, like Les is absolutely more twitchy and you need to be kind of twitchy to, to be able. And I mean, twitchy in a good way, like athletic way. I think he's more twitchy for, for something like table tennis. Um, Dave would be like Dave. Dave would be golf. I think that's almost too yeah. obvious. Um, I, I could beat Les wrestling though, and that that's purely on the back of the fact that I've seen him try and do a slide tackle at footy. Uh, I know <laughs> it, it, it's as, it's as close to a wrestling move as I've seen live in the flesh. So yeah, he's got he's got that mean streak, which means any any aggressive sport. Um, Jack Carlisle put a photo on in the in the group the other week, and he's got he's got a wonderful set of pins on him. Anything like a long jump or anything like that that, that needed mm. any form of any form of leg extension, he'd be he'd be right on it. But does Jack is Jack a runner? He, I mean, I he, I can see him like being like some yeah. tall, like because he's very he's like real tall and lanky. I feel like he'd be a, a good long distance yeah, runner. It wasn't like the, the height of Jack Carlisle revealed in the group the other day, and he was coming in at something like six foot four or so. There was some deliberation, but it was actually confirmed as seven foot seven. Um, he so. is serious. That is, he's, he's the type of fellow where he does the high jump and he just does that, that big step over it for yeah. the first five rounds, and everyone's like trying to do the, the jump and, and land backwards. Where Jack Carlisle comes and does like a, a little skip for about two or three rounds until it gets to a height where he actually needs to get off the floor. I think 
Jack Carlisle could be a very good artistic gymnast as well, to be fair. I think with those pins, I, I found myself on that photo for, for a good few minutes, maybe too long, actually. Um, so seeing him doing any form of handstand and um, cartwheel and stuff like that really does excite me. Quite frankly, there's only one to find out. I Correct. sent this photo. This is just a random aside about freakish height, but yeah. um, I sent you this photo just now. So Mark has met my brother. Adam, you met my brother. Did you meet my brother last time I was there? Right. Okay. I, I feel like even at this age, our advanced ages, he's getting taller than me. Like I'm, I am just a shade, maybe under six, three, but I'm like six, two, three quarters, whatever. I just round up to six, three. Cause it sounds way better. Dude, I feel like he's at least three inches taller than me or something like that. But he's not 6'6", six, six, but I think he might be closer to 6'5 than he is 6'4". It's ridiculous, his <laughs> freakish height. And it, it really he, – he, I think he might still be able to dunk a basketball even at his age, which is amazing. Oh, but, man. Yeah. Someone needs to send me a video of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. To, to, uh, to finish on the Olympics, the fact that a 13-year-old person won won a, a medal today from Britain is just insane. Yes. Whoa, wait, wait. What sport? Um, ooh, skateboarding. Oh, oh my God. I forget about skate. Okay, wait, wait. Is skate. I forgot skateboarding is not an Olympic sport. Is uh, I is like we call it like I like billiards, pool, snooker, whatever. Yeah. Are any of those types <laughs> like? Whoa, what was, what was that thing after billiards and pool? You? <laughs> don't you guys call it, is it snooker? snooker? Oh, God. I don't even know what it's oh, called. Even at the end of the show, right? We, we will do a snooker show. <laughs> I cannot fucking wait. What, what is the right pronunciation of it? Oh, if, what do you guys... if you're a human being, you mean? It's snooker. Snooker? Snooker sounds like I'm, like I'm, in, like I've just uh, been... Like someone has said something to me and I'm repeating it back to them in a condescending way. Like, snooker? Like, what do you mean snooker? That's what it sounds like. What a terrible word. What a terrible pronunciation of that word. Next week's show has evolved from Rob trying to name (laughs) Wirral place names to (laughs) can he name quintessentially British games and sports. I am... Very much looking forward to that. You're, next, you're going to tell me that it's not polo, it's like Polo or something like that, or uh, well, you know, rugby or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, I, I'm not letting anyone else say anything because I am. I am ending it on snooker. Um, hey, can I ask one last uh, weird, uh, somewhat British sports question? Um, yeah. People, you know, I hate when uh, cricket talk breaks out in the group chat, um, but it, inevitably it does. A new word term in there I'd never heard. What is a duck? A, a, a duck. Is that a is that a term? Uh, yeah, it's, it's when you when you're when you go go out and you've got no runs. <laughs> so you've got zero <laughs> runs, and you, you, it's it's when you need to get off for a quick game of snooker, and you just can't be asked playing cricket, so you just get <laughs> out quickly. <laughs> thank you for that explanation mark i i i really i feel like i now it, it just opens my entire mind up to that sport now that i understand that. you don't want to be introduced to the golden duck rob we'll, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll go on that after snooker next week <laughs> <laughs> lads thank you very much for joining us uh from adam from rob on the blue room we've got subs weekly out at the moment we've got Blue Monday out. We've got a lot of build-up coming up towards the Manchester United game at the weekend and, and obviously the opener against Southampton. From Adam, from Rob, 
from Paddy Boiling's Fencing Toffees. We'll see you next week. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated, like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Sports Social Podcast Network.